Texas Tech football has had its first spring game under Joey McGuire. The good rule of thumb is never overreact in the spring, but coming up today, got a feeling there might be some scorchers. Tune in to today's Locked on Texas Tech. Our Locked on Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Be sure that you have subscribed to our channel if you have not already. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. I'm joined by my co-host, Emery Lida. Today, we are talking spring game from Texas Tech football last Saturday A lot to discuss, a lot of scorching hot takes, I feel, um, that are to be had. At least it has been that way whenever you keep your your thumb on this fan base. But Emery, general impressions, we're going to get into the nitty gritty on today's episode. But overall, thoughts on the first spring game uh, in Texas Tech under Joey McGuire. First of all, it's really great to see the program and just how excited people were to get the to have the spring game and just sort of finally getting a look at Joey McGuire's team. And obviously, you're not going to learn much from a scheme standpoint in these games. The offense can be very vanilla. The defense isn't going to have too many different unique packages. But first of all, it was great to see the fan support. But second off, I was just impressed with how fast the defense played, really on both teams. That was something that stood out to me, which just kind of guys flying to the ball, really sort of excited sort of quick, um, fast-paced play when it came to the defense, really reactive and being right on guys. And I feel like that's something that obviously you're not going to get a full impression of it over the spring, but compared to other spring games I've seen in the past, there's a sense of urgency on the defensive side of things. I think offensively, it was honestly tough to sort of get too much of a read on much of anything from a scheme standpoint, even from like a rotational standpoint, because you're missing obviously Sir Roderick Thompson in the backfield. You had sort of the quarterback situation being a little bit difficult to read just because you had such a difference in terms of the amount of attempts that Tyler Shuck had in comparison to Morton and Smith. But it was interesting to see. I think the offense was kind of a work in progress. That would be the best way to describe it. But defensively, I mean, those guys came ready to play. It was was really cool to see the speed around the ball. Obviously, you forced a fair bit of turnovers and just in general playing with a good amount of intensity for it being a spring game in the first one under Coach McGuire. Yeah, so you mentioned the quarterback situation, and I think that's what everyone wants to talk about and what has the most buzz around it right now. Let me just read the stats for you listening at home real quick. Tyler Shuck completed 22 of 32 passes for 164 yards and two interceptions. Baron Morton completed 8 of 13 passes for 95 yards, including a rushing touchdown. And then Donovan Smith completed three of seven passes for 49 yards and a passing touchdown to Nehemiah Martinez. Emery, oh man, Uh, there's some discourse to be had here. It's spring game and, you know, there's room for overreaction and you want to make sure that you're keeping your head on your shoulders. But man, I feel like watching that spring game, this is a three quarterback race and this is a three quarterback competition. I 
I was not on board with that before Saturday. Uh, but Baron Morton has put in work this offseason, and the arm is there. He, he's gotten a little bit more mobile on the ground. The deep ball is really good. Um, I, I still don't know what the chances are of him being a reliable starting quarterback come next year. Uh, and I still don't know if I'm as fully bought into the cause as a lot of people on Texas Tech Twitter are. Uh, but this cat is in it, man. This is a this is what feels like truly a three horse race at this point. I feel like, and if anything, Shuck's performance was a little bit concerning. That was, if we're looking at the quarterbacks, I know Morton looked good. I feel like the one thing I will say about that is. A, the volume is there. It's easy to say that someone looks good on 13 attempts. Certainly the zip on his passes looks like a market improvement from last year. And I really felt like of the three quarterbacks, he did the best job on multiple reads and sort of progressions. And that was the thing that really stood out to me with Shuck is he had a lot of attempts where it felt like the it was easy to kind of project where he was going to go just by, based on his eyes. And I think he was really kind of forcing things at times. And certainly when you have kind of a prior notion of something that a quarterback has struggled with. And then it happens in the game. And in Chuck's case, it was obviously had the one really bad pick that was kind of a for those very much a sort of stare down interception return there. And then you just in general, look at the way that he played. And it was a whole lot of kind of the same sort of deal, like for an offense that supposedly relies on having multiple reads and sort of being a patient player. Like that's something that, if you look at what Western Kentucky did and what Bailey Zappi was able to do, his patience and ability to kind of progress quickly was really a strength of his. And you just didn't see that with Shuck. You saw a quarterback that I felt like at times really pressed, really sort of looked on to the same guy to the same guy. And that's something that for me was concerning. And I mean, I don't know. I feel like just in terms of experience level, you have to say that Shuck was the favorite coming into it. And I still think it's worth noting the spring game is a really small sample of what the team has to work with. Like you're dealing with an entire entire spring worth of practices, and then you're going to have all of fall camp. So the spring game is merely just an asterisk and a note next to everything else that we've seen that the team is going to be able to see. But it didn't look good for Shuck. I felt like Morton looked really comfortable, and I agree that's a three-person race. I think if, if that wasn't clear coming into it, it certainly is now because Morton has every bit of the arm talent that the other guys have. And – also just seemingly has made, like you mentioned, has made really good strides just in terms of reading defenses and being able to sort of deal with the mental aspect of being a D1 quarterback. Here's my concern. Everything that you just said could have perfectly described Tyler Shuck last year in terms of uh, just projecting the throw with his eyes, uh, completing a pass before he throws the ball in terms of just locking into one read and not really looking anywhere else, forcing it even when the coverage is around there. Like the pick six that he threw in this spring game, if you have not watched it, go watch it. You can watch the spring game on demand on ESPN plus go watch it. And you'll be like, I've seen this before and you have, because it's the exact same interception that Shuck threw multiple times last year. Stephen so, Austin game. Yep. Stephen there's Austin one, game. There's one, I think it, the side of the field was flipped, but it literally looks like the same pick that he threw in that game. And that's my concern. Okay. Because we, we can talk about numbers and completion percentages or even arm talent in the spring game. I, I think that those things can be over-exaggerated. What I'm more interested in is how do the players look in the scheme? And for me, I was really excited 
to see Tyler Shuck fully healthy, get, getting an offseason of recovery in, uh, spending time within the system, getting to work with one of the best quarterback gurus in college football. And it just kind of felt like the same dude out there. And while Tyler Shuck has certainly been proved to be a, you know, a, a reliable level uh, power five quarterback, I don't think that he's hit that elite level. And I think the thing that's been slowing him down is, is the the ability to read receivers in uh, once a play starts to develop. And so, uh, man, I think Morton looked really good. I think Smith looked really good. I think that his numbers are a little bit deceiving just because he played so little. Uh, but my issue and why I think this has become maybe a tighter race than I would have anticipated is that it just feels like there's a lot of room for growth for Tyler Shuck. And again, there there's a couple of months for that to happen. you got about four months for, for things to shift and to develop, and that's absolutely possible to happen. But this is going to be a really, really interesting offseason. Yeah, I mean, I look at Shuck's game, and you said that it was exactly what you could have seen last season. I certainly would say that it's not always like this for Tyler Shuck. He has his moments where... He can be a good quarterback, and you can see those flashes. I feel like the thing in the spring game is we saw a lot of the negative parts of his game. We saw kind of the locking down receivers. He can struggle a little bit with kind of zip over the intermediate. I feel like that's certainly something that contributes to those kind of like stare down interceptions is he doesn't necessarily have the outlandish arm talent to get away with that sort of throw. And I think you could really kind of, just characterize this quarterback play by what we've seen before. And it's the same, the same issue that eventually you ran into at Oregon um, and caused him to lose the, lose the job to Anthony Brown. It's the same reason that we've seen him struggle at times at tech. And I think that, I mean, there's room for him to improve. I certainly think it's possible. You have to remember, he's only been really practicing with Zach Kidley for a little over a month, you know, like you're not seeing consistent practice you're not seeing him get acclimated to the offense. So there's still a lot of time before the first game and there's time for him to develop as a player, but it's discouraging to see kind of the same mistakes again, after what we've seen basically two years worth of film or at least two seasons worth, maybe a year worth of actually playing from shot. And it's the same sort of issues. And that's, that's not good, especially when you have two young quarterbacks that I felt like looked generally really good. I mean, certainly we've already seen Donovan Smith in live games, look good and for baron morton i feel like this was proof that he can play against a pretty good d1 defense and be competitive as a starter i am excited to talk about texas tech defense what is in my cup well it's nothing intoxicating it's athletic greens i started taking ag1 because i wanted better gut health and with one delicious scoop of ag1 you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar. There's no GMOs or nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and it still tastes good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Big announcement for the first time ever. Locked On Network is hosting live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft from our studios in Dallas with pick-by-pick analysis from our local team experts and draft gurus. Tune in all three days as our draft team guides you through every pick and every trade in real time. It all starts on Thursday, April 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, available on Locked On NFL channel on YouTube and the Audacity app. Texas Tech defense, baby. Uh, This is what I'm most excited to talk about in terms of the spring game because, you know, individual performances, they can be inflated, they can be overrated, they can be over-criticized. But looking at a team stylistically or in terms of scheme or even just attitude, which I think is a phrase that gets kind of overemphasized at times, uh, the Texas Tech defense looked different, man. And, and I know that it's just a spring game, but there's a noticeable difference in terms of the aggressiveness of this defense, in terms of the way that... Um, they played in coverage, and especially within the secondary, I thought was really good. If you follow Joey McGuire on Twitter, you've probably seen the hashtag take three at one point or another. That is referring to the analytic that if you have three turnovers in a game, you win 93% of a time. Texas Tech's defense had three turnovers in the first half. Man, this is a defense that has changed. This is a defense that I think can actually be, dare I say it, Good. I don't think that's a stretch to say. I mean, the secondary looked so good in this game compared to what we've seen in years past. Guys were really active around the ball. I mean, obviously, the second play of the spring game is something that kind of set the tone for that. Obviously, you had Rayshawn Williams, who picked off the pass, got a pick six out of that, which, first off, if I was projecting guys to get a pick six in the spring game, Rayshawn Williams was not going to be one of my first two or three guesses just because he's not someone that is necessarily a ball hall corner, but he played like that. And I mean, just in general, the closing speed on the defense, you mentioned it looks like a completely different defense. I agree. I mean, these guys are making really good plays on the ball. Just obviously the three turnovers is one thing that they had in the first half, but just in general, in the speed, the tackling, obviously, again, you're not going to get a total, a totally representative sample of what the offense is going to do because there wasn't, the schemes were going to be kind of vanilla. So generally speaking, that's going to favor the defense in a spring game. But still, to just see the activity around the ball, it was really, really, really encouraging. And I mean, I think certainly there's still questions on how the young talent on this team is going to come together defensively. And certainly it's hard to say just off of one scrimmage, but at the same time to see the defense force three turnovers, to see them play so aggressively and really limit big plays as well. There wasn't really a lot of like busted coverages and missed assignments. I feel like that's an encouraging theme for it literally being a month into the, into this journey with Joey McGuire's coach. Yeah. And I think it's really, really uh, exciting to see kind of this change in identity because it needed to happen. Like Texas Tech's defense has not been 
uh, serviceable by any means in recent years. And now you're looking at a team that's got some aggressiveness that can really play around the ball and force turnovers. I think a lot of people expected this secondary to be pretty good just because of the pure names that are on the roster. And I think that we saw some of that on Saturday. But another thing that I wanted to highlight was the interception from Derek Lewis, a linebacker, played just 15 snaps on defense last year as a redshirt freshman. I mean, at this point, you're you're really grasping for straws at anybody in the linebacker rotation that can be serviceable. Uh, the word around town is that uh, Ty Connor, the freshman out of Katy, Texas, has had a really, really good spring. But I mean, whenever you've got guys... Uh, like Lewis that are stepping up and making good plays. That's really, really encouraging to see because I think that it just continues to to bode well for your depth at that position, um, which Texas Tech really needs. Like I think whenever you're looking at this defense and you're thinking that, okay, we, we want to be good, you're going to need a couple of these guys to click. You've got Krishan Merriweather who's returned. Um, but other than that, you, you need some names. And so to have Lewis step up I think is big. Uh, again, Connors had the good offseason, heard some good things about Jacob Rodriguez, but I liked what I saw from the linebacking core on Saturday. I think there's still room to be grown into and development to be had, but promising signs early on. Yeah, I think at that point, you're just looking for guys that can come in and can play solid, reliable football from day one. I mean, Tyreek Matthews is another dude that has kind of gotten a good amount of steam over the last couple months and certainly throughout spring. I mean, you're looking at Kana as well. I'm excited to see what he can do this year. And certainly you just have a roster in general of guys that have the natural talent, but may, may not be quite as proven at this level. So I think it's just going to be interesting to watch. Like, like I said, I was impressed by the kind of ball skills and the ability to kind of be really fast to the ball. I certainly think that it's going to be something that you're going to see over the course of the season. I mean, you're going to have kind of a revolving door at linebacker, I would feel. And certainly Merriweather is the one exception to that rule as someone that has a lot of experience within the program. But Derek Lewis, I mean, to see him get a pick was one of the bigger highlights of the spring game. And certainly, I mean, just in general, this defense as a whole looks very disciplined and looks very fast to the ball. And obviously the linebackers is not quite like the secondary where you have kind of like a who's who of guys and guys with, with a lot of D1 experience that you know you can rely on to get to play solid football and kind of be sort of the backbone of your defense but the linebackers i mean you've got talent there i feel like they look serviceable in the spring game and certainly you're not going to have a Colin schooler emerge from that group i don't think this year but still you can do a lot with them and i'm excited to see how that race develops heading into the fall we'll talk about a couple of notable individual performances from saturday because with the spring game there's always some interesting ones but first a quick word from bet online BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, spring game. Uh, you you get some guys off the bench that maybe uh, wouldn't you know be be playing on the field in in Big Twelve play, but nonetheless, some interesting guys taking the field. I've got to say, there's a, there's a couple of performances that I want to hit on, but the guy that might have impressed me most on Saturday 
was Blake Bedwell, the running back transfer from SMU, uh, carried the ball 14 times for 97 yards on Saturday. Um, Texas Tech's running back room is real deep. Uh, the tandem of Sir Roderick Thompson and, and Taj Brooks is going to do numbers this year. And I think it's fair to expect those two guys to carry the bulk of the load and, and, and get a high percentage or like an overwhelmingly majority percentage of the Texas Tech carries this season. But Blake Bedwell, man, the sophomore, played good. He played good. Um, and I think he showed a lot of promising flashes. He was kind of an addition that uh, kind of snuck under the the creeps and the crevices of of all the noise this offseason because he w- was not a notable guy at SMU. Uh, but it looks like this could be an addition that pays dividends, especially in the future, uh, but maybe even next year. I mean, running backs a, a group that can be plagued by injury, and it looks like uh, Bedwell may be a guy that can be reliable to have his name called and step up. Yeah, he also, if I remember correctly, had a really good catch and run in that game as well. And so, I mean, I did not expect to see that from Bedwell. I mean, just being completely honest, he was not someone that I had done a ton of research on. But to see him kind of play at a really high level and sort of carry the rock without Sir Roderick Thompson in that game, I feel like it it gives you confidence for the depth that you have at the piece uh, or at that place. In addition to what you've seen from what you've been able to see from other guys like a Cameron Valdez and what you already have in Thompson and from Sir Roderick or geez, wow from Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick Thompson um, but in general like just having that sort of depth at the running back position is something that I'm really excited to see and then again also along with that Nehemiah Martinez is another dude that had a really good showing obviously caught the one touchdown pass from Donovan Smith but also just kind of looked like a guy that could be a real nice depth piece within the slot and kind of a little bit of a gadget player. And so I think those guys on the offensive end, I don't think they're going to be focal points by any stretch on from like a pure ability standpoint. I feel like you still have guys at both positions, like the Miles Price that's going to be ahead of them or like a, obviously a Thompson and a Brooks. But for them to have that kind of game just gives you a lot of optimism in terms of what you have from a depth standpoint and what you can do going forward. Great segue, Emery. Nehemiah Martinez was the next guy that I wanted to talk about. Uh, as we're kind of trying to figure out what works and what doesn't with the linebacking group, I think the same could be said for a wide receiver. Obviously, you've got some proven names in that group, like like Miles Price, as you mentioned, and then some some younger guys that showed promising flashes last season. You know, Sparkman, Cleveland. Fungi, who's who's not playing this spring, uh, suffered an injury. But you've got a couple of guys in that group that that are promising. But I mean, it never hurts to have another wide receiver. And Nehemiah Martinez, um, I believe he's a walk on actually from LCP. Uh, to to yeah, for him PWO. to be okay, yeah. So to to be having a performance like that from from a caliber of guy that's not even taking up a roster spot or a scholarship spot is really really promising for your program and. I think that's a big win for Joey McGuire and co just to see these wide receivers being developed and uh, just growing. And I don't think it's mis- it's a mistake either. Emmett Jones is really, really good at what he does. And I think that um, even if it's not a guy like Martinez, expect to see a lot of promising signs with the wide receiver group, even if it may be uh, a couple of months before it's really clear who a guy is going to be or, you know, how 
truly deep this Texas Tech wide receiver room is going to be. Yeah, that's the thing. Is the the receiving group, I feel like it's not so much the names that stick out. It's more so just the pure aspect of having depth because that was kind of a little bit of a concern is you really don't have a lot of established guys at that position outside of a Miles Price that you've seen play at a high level and play for many different snaps over the course of a couple of seasons. So that Martinez show out, even if he's not necessarily going to be a guy that's going to feature in as an integral part of your offense, it's really nice to have. And then another guy I want to talk about, and I feel like it's worth noting is to look at Rashad Williams and kind of a, I mentioned the pick six earlier, but B his ability to be a really instinctive quarter and make quick reads is something that, I mean, for one thing, it made Tyler Shuck look worse. I mean, I feel like if you maybe looked at Rashad Williams from last year, it probably would not have ended an interception on that pick six. And it certainly wouldn't have had, he wouldn't have had quite the impact he had in passing wings. But I felt like he was a really disruptive force on the outside. And I feel like that's something that you can look forward to going forward. Without Demarcus Fields this year, you're not going to have that number one corner that you can lean on that has been in the program for years and years. So for Williams, I think it was a nice development. Also having Muddy Waters back and just healthy, seeing him in action for the first time and since really the fourth game of last year it's nice to see and I mean he had a fumble recovery looked good I mean it was hard to really get a good read on his individual performance but I felt like from what I could see he looked like a player that was back to being fully himself and can be a good addition to this roster going forward yeah Rashad Williams kind of one of those guys that I feel like got buried in the news of just all the transfers that were heading into the Texas Tech secondary last season, I feel like a lot of, t- of attention went to Reggie Pearson and Muddy Waters, and rightfully so. Uh, but Williams didn't really carve out a role last year. It looks like that's going to change, which is really promising because this is a guy that has P5 experience playing corner at UCLA. So uh, very promising sign there. Another transfer corner or really secondary player that I thought was good on Saturday as well, just real quickly, is Tyler Owens. Uh, transfer from Texas, played football at Plano East Senior High School. Shout out to Plano. Um, back-to-back appearances, man. This is really impressive. But there is no way I'd rather end this episode talking about kicking, baby. Trey Wolf is back. Drilled a 56-yarder in the spring game. Whenever you lose a guy like Jonathan Garibay, I feel like there's a little bit of pain. And you're just like, man, what's next? Are we going to be okay? Is the Texas Tech kicking game going to fall apart? No. Trey Wolf has been here. He's done this. And it looks like he's better than ever. Also, Gino Garcia and Landon Reeves had a couple of good good kicks as well. But Trey Wolf is going to be the dude, it looks like, especially after drilling a 56-yarder. Yeah, Trey Wolf is the man. and I mean, you look at what he did in 2019 alongside Austin McNamara, and they had one of the best special teams years you've seen in recent tech memory. And Wolf was extremely accurate on that year. And then 2020 happened. And that was really strange because Wolf went from being extremely accurate to pretty inaccurate. And I feel like it just shows the psychology of college kickering kickers in general. And I mean, hopefully Joey McGuire is a coach that has um, a little bit more understanding of how to handle a kicker situation in public than Matt Wells, because I certainly I'm going to say that the press conference answers and the way that Matt Wells handled that was a pretty large part of why Trey Wolf struggled. But 
I'm going to leave it at that because the more I say, the more I'm going to sound like I'm criticizing Matt Wells, which isn't really the case. It's just that I definitely think he could have handled that situation better. But regardless, it's nice to see Trey Wolf back. And the 56-yarder was so impressive because, I mean, we've always seen Wolf as more of an accuracy kicker, but for him to be able to knock down 56 yards confidently, I mean, that's mega. That's Jonathan Garibay stuff, and we know what Jonathan Garibay could do. I think Trey Wolf was there for a reason in 2019, and I think he'll be there for a reason in 2022 as well. Quick close. Uh, you've got 100 points, 100 percentage points. Distribute them between the three quarterbacks in terms of how likely you think they will be the starter. Week one against Murray State. I think that's the week one matchup. Yeah. I'm going to go... Uh, I'll go 40% Shuck. 32%. Donovan Smith, 28% Baron Morton. I, I like it, man. Smith and Smith and Morton getting real close. Uh, this is not preference. This is what I think is likely. I'm going to go Shuck 50, uh, Smith 30, Morton 20. Yeah, that's reasonable. I feel like the biggest thing Shuck has going for him is, A, he's got the experience, and B, he's still a good quarterback. He's just got... Flaws specifically in his ability to read the defense that I feel like is going to be a limiting factor, but he's got proven capability. And I think it's going to take more inner Smith doing something pretty phenomenal in fall camp to be able to sort of out or to supplant him. But at the same time, I mean, two quarterbacks are capable of doing that. They've looked better in spring game. They certainly have the pedigree. Certainly Smith last year looked really good at times at the end of the year. And Morton has the recruiting recruiting uh, reputation as well as someone that has the pure arm strength to be able to get it done. So it's something where Shuck has to be the favorite, but both of those guys could feasibly get the job. Well, it's exciting to be talking about football again. Truly feels like the new era of Joey McGuire is being ushered in. As things continue to develop this offseason, be sure that you are tuned in to the Locked on Texas Tech podcast, baby, because we've got all the content coming your way. Be sure that you're subscribed to our feed wherever you get podcasts, including our YouTube channel. Uh, for an exclusive look at Emery and I's face. When you're not listening to the pod, be sure that you are sub- subscribed, following us on Twitter. You can follow me at our Mainville LBK for some charts. You can follow Emery at Eraser41 for some numbers. And you can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked On TTU to get notified whenever an episode goes live so that you never miss us. Until then, thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts just like us. Thanks for joining us. We will see you tomorrow.